Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, unfortunately, we have to revisit some uh, some some tougher parts of Wisconsin athletics. It was a rough weekend for Badger fans. Uh, heartbreaking loss to Marquette uh, on a buzzer beater tip in. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit other basketball stuff because there's important changes to the schedule. Um, with COVID, everything going on in the college basketball world, schedules change uh, pretty rapidly. We've seen it in college football, and it, it's, it's even happening uh, pretty fast in college basketball. You know, teams are changing opponents and turning things around um, within a matter of hours and days. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit because it, it did hit the Badgers uh, with their next game uh, with Louisville. Then, of course, we'll get into the Wisconsin football contest. A brutal, ugly, bad loss to Indiana. We'll get into some of that. I know uh, nobody wants to drudge up all these bad memories, but I think there's important things that we need to talk about in regards to how this team um, looks right now and, and what uh, the, what to expect from them kind of going forward because it's clear that uh, something needs to change, so we'll break down and, and get into some of that. So rough weekend, but I think it's an important conversation to have. Matt, how are you today? Doing great. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to talk a little bit. Uh, it just should be a little cathartic for both of us at this point, just because it was it was a tough weekend to stomach, and having to sit down and write a bunch of stuff about it made it even worse. So um, I'm excited to just uh, talk a little bit a little bit of hoops, a little bit of football here, and and hopefully rinse it off so that we're prepared for later on this week when the basketball team's back on Wednesday and the football team is hopefully back on Saturday. Yeah, big contest um, this week. You know, you've got uh, – we'll get into the basketball here a little bit. Uh, I know they lose Louisville, but they've got a, an interesting opponent added. And then, you know, anytime you're getting ready for Iowa, it's a big game. Um, I know there's been a little bit more discussion today about the football team also trying to play that Minnesota game um, the following weekend in that championship weekend. Not sure if it'll happen, but uh, there's definitely ways to right the ship uh, if you're the football team, if you possibly get a matchup with both of those and, and can win those while – the season hasn't been what you expected. Uh, a couple wins against your rival programs will certainly boost of confidence. So we'll start on the basketball court, though, because that was uh, first. Uh, we'll, we'll move in chronological order. A tough loss Friday night uh, to Marquette. Marquette looked a lot better than I expected them to. You know, their game out before Wisconsin kind of got embarrassed by Oklahoma State. Uh, but as a rivalry game, you kind of it seems like year after year, Marquette and Wisconsin play that type of game. You know, a two, three possession game is usually, um, you know, what it comes down to. You know, there at the end, uh, tight contest throughout. Uh, so, at the end of the day, like a tough loss. But what what did you really take away from that game um, that you're going to be looking forward to as the Badgers move forward to Wednesday night? I mean, the foul trouble definitely crippled Wisconsin in that game. You saw them really struggling to to find any rhythm because you constantly saw guys having to go to the bench. You saw Brad Davison, Micah Potter, Nate Reavers, all with two fouls for for most of the first half. You saw Ben Carlson and Tyler Wall having to play with two fouls in the first half. And and then 
Then you had to go into the second half, and Brad Davison follows out. You still got foul trouble going on, and um, and it, it basically came down to Wisconsin having that uh, uh, a very, frankly, a, a stupid foul um, at the end of the game, and and being in the bonus to make it so that they were shooting free throws, and and so fouls just absolutely crushed them throughout that game. Um, it, it's, it's tough to when that's what happens. I thought defensively overall they looked pretty good. The Badgers did, other than the, the past, uh, the final kind of seconds when it, I guess it mattered most. But offensively it just, they, and I think that had to go with the foul trouble, was they just didn't look in rhythm all night long. Um, you know, they had the season high in turnovers. They they just didn't seem crisp. They weren't moving the ball well. Um, they they tried to play some hero ball a little bit and, and go isolation um, far too often, and that's not what's going to win this team games. So I, I think those were the, the negatives to take from the game uh, if we want to start there. Yeah, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. There was a, it was a mixture of things for sure. I mean the the foul trouble certainly didn't help uh, this team. When, when they're in rhythm and they're knocking down shots and they've got their guys that they want to be playing and the minutes they want to be playing, um, they're a much better basketball team. But when you're, when you're talking guys coming in and out, especially early in the season, you're trying to get your legs under you anyway. You've only played a few games, and some of those games, they, they got a decent amount of minutes, but you're not playing down-to-the-wire tight competition like you played in that Marquette game. So this was really, if you want to look at it, the, the first real task for this team and you could tell that they were struggling to, to to get in rhythm to knock down some shots. There wasn't a ton of there was some some bad possessions where you mentioned the hero ball that that it just isn't going to work for this team. They're not built that way. They don't have a necessarily a pure scorer that can that can just take the ball and take over a game and, and they're going to work through him. You've got a collective of five guys that are really strong and and know the system and are experienced, and that's what you have to play on. You can't play on you know Demetrius Trice dribbling down to the end of the shot clock and trying to make something happen. Well, sometimes that goes, and I know Wisconsin programs of the past, I think, to, you know, the, it seems sometimes like the Jordan Taylor days uh, of Wisconsin basketball where he was kind of dribbling it down, and, and not because he necessarily wanted to, but sometimes the offense just wasn't clicking, and that's what they had to do. Sometimes you see that with Trice, and, and it's just not the way this team's going to win games. It might be something you got to rely on for certain possessions, but uh, at the end of the day, you want to work through your five, so... I think the foul trouble was a big part of it, and then just certain shots just not falling. It seemed like whenever uh, Wisconsin w- would pull it close and have a shot to, to tie it up or, or take the lead or uh, pull away a little bit, the shots just weren't falling, and Marquette came down and, and got a basket. So uh, there's there's certain things to start, certainly take from it uh, to try and build on, um, but I think those were really the big glaring points uh, of that contest was the foul trouble and just the rhythm of the shots, like you said, not falling, and, and, and that can uh, lose you a game. And, and it was tight like that. Unfortunately, just the breaks didn't go their way. Yeah, for sure. I would I would have liked to see a lot more Micah Potter, uh, you know, not in terms of minutes, but more aggressiveness on the offensive end. But you also saw a lot of turnovers. You saw uncharacteristically three turnovers from Dimitri Trice because he was trying to do too much. Um, and part of that was because he was forced to because – the, his his off guard Brad Davison was completely shut down because of foul trouble. Um, you saw him having to run with Jonathan Davis, who's a young guy, and I thought he was a, a big bright spot for this game. He kept them alive um, in this and kept them afloat in the first half when really it looked like they couldn't get anything going offensively. He he made some really nice plays to give them some offense, to give them a lift, and and he really stood out because of that. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Brad Davison had a really rough night, but I would have loved to see Micah Potter. He only shot six times. Um, you should not have Demetri Trice putting up 14 in shots and Micah Potter putting up six. It just shouldn't be the case any night going forward unless Demetri Trice is is on fire. And, and that wasn't the case. And um, so I think that that was tough to see. The Badgers shot a, a few too many three-pointers. You know, we talk about that there's – there's, there is a sweet spot for three-pointers with this team, and shooting 24 is a little too much when you're when you're shooting under 30% um, there. But credit Marquette. You know, they did what they needed to do. They controlled most of this game throughout. The Badgers were just clawing to stay alive for, for most of this game. The Badgers did okay on the boards until the end, and, and then it was just a really good play um, by Justin Lewis, who, who really was the star of the game. He had 18 points, eight boards as a, as a freshman, and – that's that's partly on Wisconsin for not blocking out and getting that that final um, rebound, but at the same time, sometimes the the ball is going to carry them off the rim in a way that's tough to to whether you're blocking out or not get the ball from. So um, Trice needs to know better, um, and he called it a boneheaded play at the end when he tried to take the charge instead of just moving his feet and understanding that the clock was about to expire and there was no way that DJ Carton was getting the shot up. Um, but you live and you learn. It's it's better to lose these type of games like we saw last year at the beginning so that you can find a rhythm, get things going in a positive direction, than say, hey, we're going to start off hot, and then all of a sudden we're faltering as the season goes down the to, towards the end. So I think overall this team's fine. This is, this is who the Badgers are. Um, it's going to take a wake-up call like this to happen in order for them to kind of figure some things out. But But really – there's a lot of good to come out of this because you saw a young freshman be aggressive and, and take advantage of some opportunities. Um, and, but, but at the same time, there's, there's definite things to clean up, and the Badgers have seemed to do that in the past. When they can look at the film, they can diagnose the issues, and I would be surprised if they didn't come out and look a, a hell of a lot better in their next game. Yeah, yeah, and that transitions us nicely to kind of those last 30 seconds. You talked about it a little bit, so maybe we don't need to spend too much time on it here, but uh, the last 30 seconds, that, that block by Dimitri Trice kind of, you know, not, not necessarily lost the game because it ended up coming down to that tip, but kind of a boneheaded play there and uh, unfortunate. But those are the situations where you kind of learn from. I think the, the last 30 seconds, you know, down the stretch, if you get into a situation like that later in the season, a guy like Demetri Trice probably isn't going to make that, that same mistake twice. Or a guy like Micah Potter, who's experienced, played a lot of basketball, is going to say, hey, I know i got to box out. i got to get this rebound and make sure to avoid those tip-ins. So I, I think the, the, the nice part is you want to play these games, like you said, early in the season. You don't want to be playing. You know, the Arkansas Pine Bluff games are, are nice to get your guys in a rhythm and get some minutes and, and relatively don't get into a tight game and kind of treat it as – quote-unquote preseason. You don't see preseason in college athletics, but there's a way to work around that with some of those games. We also want to play these games uh, that hopefully come March and the NCAA tournament and the Big Ten down the stretch, uh, that you're not making these same mistakes and, and missing or, or drawing that block and, and, and putting a game on the line like that or missing a rebound. So uh, at the end of the day, like you said, the team is fine. I don't imagine um, you know that they're going to hang their head about this too much. They, they've got a quick turnaround here. Um, to get ready for a game on Wednesday night. So at the end of the day, it's a tough loss to your in-state rival, but I think uh, this program and this team will kind of be better off for it. For sure, and, and Trice hit, uh, hit a potential game winner on, on one end of the court 
um, and and had a really nice play, and then is going down and and like he he said it was a boneheaded play. Um, I anticipate he'll learn from it. I don't I don't see that as something that he's he's going to hang on. Um, but but I would expect better from a season related team. We you saw a Marquette sophomore point guard um, draw the foul when he was clearly not going to be able to get a shot up, and then you saw a freshman tip mm-hmm. in the ball against the senior. And the Badgers need to to use that experience and to to win these games, especially when it comes down to crunch time. And and that's something that we saw a lot last year when it, when the season got rolling. And I, I anticipate it'll happen again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this team as they continue to get down the stretch. You know, last year they they were playing their basketball best basketball um, later in the season. I think you're going to see that uh, with this team this year as you lean on that experience a little bit. So going forward for this team, the ACC Challenge, which starts on Tuesday evening for most of the conference. Wednesday um, is when the Badgers were scheduled to play Louisville. Uh, That game is now off, but the Badgers pick up a good replacement in Rhode Island, a team that has always been tough the last few years. Uh, Fats Russell, really strong guard for them. Um, but I actually just saw on my phone on the Bucky Switch Quarter Twitter, I got a notification. It looks like Wisconsin is hoping to play Louisville on Sunday now as well. So two tough games this week possibly. Of course, Louisville right now dealing with COVID as it is. So you got to wait for testing and things like that. But it would be great to get, I think, both of these games in because they're quality opponents and quality competition. So what do you make of this uh, schedule change in, in the possible, well, of course, the addition of Rhode Island and possibly still getting that Louisville game in? Yeah, I think it'd be really nice if they could still get that Louisville game in on Sunday. That sounds like that's the plan to still participate in the the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I think that that getting a quality opponent like Rhode Island, though, in is pretty good. They just take, took down Seton Hall. You you mentioned Fast Russell, who's got all name team um, honorable <laughs> mention, but then he, the kid's quick, and so it's going to be a good test for Demetric Trice because I anticipate that Trice will be up there for most of the game guarding him because the Badgers don't really have a lot of other guards that can probably keep up with him. Not He's a he's a slasher. He can score, puts up a ton of shots, um, but but he's quick. And so I'm excited to see what this team could do against um, a team like that because the Badgers um, thus far have, have played – you know, some opponents that you could look at and you'd be like, those first three games they should have won the way they did. Um, now you're getting into some some tougher games, and I think this will only help them towards Big Ten play because Rhode Island, hopefully Louisville, those are those are quality opponents that can, that can kind of cut your teeth getting ready for Big Ten play. Yeah, and you're seeing this more and more in college basketball now. It's good teams scheduling, you know, these these tougher games. You know, Baylor and Gonzaga were, were going to play this past Saturday. Of course, that got shut down due to COVID, but, you know, they're the top two teams in the nation and, and kind of threw a game together. Um, I, I like to see that, and I think you're you're right. It's going to be better for Wisconsin to, to play a tough team, um, play a tough guard like Fats Russell in Rhode Island, and, and also play that Louisville game. And if it gets moved around, to continue to try to pick up, uh, you know, quality opponents where you can. I know part part of that is, is some teams are already playing on certain days and, and some teams are battling COVID, so it's not as easy as it sounds, but – if you were able to get both of these games, then I think that's a huge resume boost, especially if you pick up wins. Um, you know, nobody's going to knock you for beating a Rhode Island team that over the last few years has been pretty, pretty strong. Uh, this year they look like a strong team in, in that conference. Louisville is, is still not really sure what to make of Louisville, but they're historically a really good program. Um, in, in the last few years they've been really strong. So 
nobody's going to knock you for, for a game and a win or a loss against one of those teams. So I hope for Wisconsin's sake that they can get both of these in because I think it'd be a nice resume boost for this team and and allow them to bounce back against some good competition. You know, the Marquette losses, of course, uh, still got you with a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. But if you can come out and, and beat a quality team uh, like Rhode Island, beat a quality team like Louisville in the same week, that should set you up nicely as you move forward to the you know end of non-conference play and then right into Big Ten play because those are where your big games are going to come and your big wins are going to come. But you want to be playing well when you get to that point, and, and taking on some of these uh, you know, upper-quality uh, competition will certainly help with that. For sure. Now the big thing is just getting Brad Davison and Aleem Ford to have a bigger impact game in and game out because you saw last year down the stretch those two played really well and they haven't yet this game. We haven't seen a, a really good performance by either one of them uh, in the first few games. So that that this team's got a lot in the works and um, I'm hopeful that they can turn it around against Rhode Island uh, and take down a, a good A-10 opponent. That's a great way to wrap up our basketball talk, guys. We'll get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll hop into our football discussion. All right. Wisconsin football suffers their second loss of the season. 14-6 loss to Indiana. Really just an ugly game. I was When I was writing, kind of putting together the outline, I was like, there's, there's the whole game kind of just ran together in ugliness that I wasn't like, is there any play or certain thing to pinpoint and, and discuss, but... It was just not a good game for, for the offense. The defense played really well, uh, but I think there's some things that they need to work on as well, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit later. But what were just kind of your overall thoughts of, of that loss and that game? That sigh that you set, you put <laughs> that came through your breath right before you said said it just, just delivered at home because really that, that game just it wasn't pretty. The Badgers were off. It just – it hasn't been great the past few games, and, and I think the more and more that you look at it, you're starting to see that the teams who have not had issues with COVID are playing well and they're winning games. And the teams that have had to miss weeks have had things postponements in the start of their year or had to shut things down over the summer are struggling. And Wisconsin has had to sit out three weeks, which – it is a lot when when normally everybody else is humming along, um, and, and but it doesn't make up for the fact that the Badgers should be better on offense. They have too much talent for this. Um, a lot of youth, which I know we're going to get into, but at the same time, you look at it and putting up six points against Indiana is just not good enough. You got to put points up, especially when you get into opportunities where you can score. Badgers had three trips into the red zone and came away with six points. Um, that's not going to win you ball games. It, it never has, never will. Um, so the Badgers' defense, for the most part, did their part, but the offense just has some has some uh, fine tuning to do. Yeah, the thing it really, it's not so much that they're struggling to move the football in, in a lot of ways. They're getting, like you mentioned, they they're getting trips to the red zone. It's just kind of stalling out once you get either close or you get within uh, a few yards or you get in there and you, you settle for field goals. So part of that is also uh, coaching and, and maybe you need to be a little bit more aggressive and, and rather than settle for a field goal, you know, thankfully they made them both, but at the end of the day, it, it didn't get you even really close to sniffing a win. I mean, in reality, this probably should have been a 21-6 game. Indiana had a wide open touchdown that they dropped that, that should have made it even a wider margin, but... I think if you're Wisconsin, it starts. You need to start looking at, you know, if if we're going to get there and get to the red zone, maybe we need to start pushing the envelope a little bit more. We saw 
Last year, Paul Chris be a little bit more aggressive. This past weekend, you didn't see that. You saw them, you know, settle for field goals, punting in in their own territory in a one possession game, which I, I know uh, sets a lot of people, um, you know, puts them in, in a bad mood and rightfully so. And, and you're watching the Packers on Sunday, who for the most part are pressing the envelope and going for it. Wisconsin has kind of been the opposite, where it seems like they're settling a little bit and, and trying to rely on the defense a little bit too much to keep them in the game and, and come through. But if the offense doesn't come through, eventually you have to, to kind of make an adjustment and say, okay, you know, our defense is playing well and, and we can lean on that at some point, but six points isn't going to win you many football games. So you got to start converting some of these into touchdowns, stop settling for field goals and, and, and pushing the offense to, to get it home because they're moving the ball. It's not so much that, you know, every drive is just stalling out and, and things aren't working. It's it's a matter of got to put more points on the board and got to be, I think, a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, I mean, they put up 125 more yards than Indiana on the game. Mm-hmm. It's not like they weren't able to to move the ball effectively. It, it's when it comes down to crunch time. And, and part of that is just they don't have the weapons on outside. And because of COVID, because of uh, attrition, all sorts of different things. You look at it, Kendrick Pryor was, was – everybody was excited because he was back, and he basically wasn't back because he was out for a good chunk of the game as well due to injuries once again. So you're missing Danny Davis. You're missing Krumholtz. Um, so you, you have a, a true freshman – wide receiver out there who has, has shown flashes. And, you know, we are the biggest Chim Ray DK, um, you know, guys in the, in the world. We pound the table for that kid day in and day out because he, he does have tremendous future potentially. Um, but it's, it's still a true freshman. You look across the Big Ten, where else do you see that the number one wide receiver or the number one target out there is a true freshman? Um, that's that's not what you want. That's not good enough, and, and there's some gaps in recruiting that's that have come about because of that. Um, but you look at it, and Jake Ferguson, I mean, he, he's their guy. He, he's basically what they have in terms of a pass-catching pass threat, and everybody knows it. And so you've got five de- defensive backs out there for Indiana just eyeing him up, and so was Graham Mertz. So – I think the Badgers are are missing a couple pieces. Danny Davis would have would have helped a lot. Um, you know, Adam Crumholz probably would have helped a lot as well. But um, you know, in the end, this team misses Quintez Cephas. They miss a go-to wide receiver that that can say, "I'm going to win a one-on-one." You don't see that very often right now with the Badgers. That you they hit that back shoulder throw um, to Quintez Cephas all the time in the red zone. Whether it was um, they needed a chunk play. We're not seeing it. The longest pass play against uh, against Indiana came from our boy Jack Eschenbach. Um, <laughs> so that's that's not a recipe for success. And and they need to they need to figure out ways to push the ball down the field like we saw against Illinois. Um, and and part of that is getting some of those weapons back uh, because Mertz, Mertz is is sitting in, in dead water there. There's nobody there for him to throw to. Um, when, when you look back at some of the tape, now there's a couple times where he missed some guys that were available, but a lot of times you're seeing guys on top of players and, and not even open, and, and when they have a chance to make the catch, they've got to catch it. Prior dropped one, a couple in the end zone that they were going to be tough catches, but eventually you got to make those. Um, you, you looked at Chimre DK at the end when they tried to make it. He, he, he was hooked held like there's no doubt about it mm-hmm. that his jersey was being held but 
you didn't really see him take make a play on the ball either. He was just hoping that the ball came to him, and you can't do that in the Big Ten. It, that's that's just not how you go up and catch a ball um, when you're when you're down at the end and you need to catch a touchdown. Yeah, I think that that uh, that all factors into the the struggles that they're having on offense. You know, the the personnel is there, the play calling, which will kind of transition us nicely, um, has been. It was a little bit better, I would say, this time out. You know, they like you said, we they moved the ball. It wasn't necessarily the yards; it was the scoring. Uh, but I would still say the play calling was a little bit stale. You know, we've seen this from Badger teams in the past. You know, I think to two seasons <laughs> ago um, with Alex Hornibrook, it kind of got stale uh, in that season, and you saw where they kind of struggled to move the football. And, and thankfully, they had a guy like Jonathan Taylor that, could, that they could lean on back then. Um, but even then, it, it was kind of a struggle for them to, to move the ball and, and get points and, and get a consistent rhythm offensively. So play calling for me is certainly something that I've kind of scratched my head at. Um, you know, I know we'll, we'll talk about it here in a little bit with Jalen Berger, but what do you make of, of the play calling? And I, I don't expect, you know, in Paul Chris Presser today, he, he basically said, you know, Joe Rudolph's calling the plays, very confident in him and the offensive staff. So if I were a Badger fan, I wouldn't expect any changes. But uh, what do you think uh, needs to change maybe offensively to, to kind of get it going? I know you alluded to, to getting the ball deep downfield, and I think that's a big part. Uh, but anything else in your eyes? And, and they need to stretch the ball from side to side a little bit. Right now it's, it's basically we're either going to go straight forward or we're going to pass. Like there's there's no sideline to sideline. And, and Wisconsin has athletes to, to get to the edge and to, to hurt teams with that. Um, you know, we saw prior back and we still didn't see a lot of those jet sweep motions. We didn't see some of the, the wrinkles that we have seen in the past. Um, you know, we didn't see anything with a wildcat that uh, to maybe mix things up with Groshek. Um, so I think there's lots of ways that this team can can be more robust on offense, but a big way is just going to be trusting the guys you do have, and one of them is Jalen Berger. But I know we're going to talk about that later. Um, but, but, but part of it is also just getting some of these guys back. You look at it, they had a fourth-string center, you know, snapping the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got, like I said, a true freshman out wide as pretty much outside of Jake Ferguson, your, your top weapon. Um, and, and, and that reared its head when Jalen Berger was busting a run and, and DK wasn't, uh, engaged and aggressive on his blocker. Berger would have been in the end zone if he, if he was just going right away, um, towards his guy. Instead, he hesitated and, and Berger had a hard time reading what he was doing. Um, but then, but then you also have it to where um, you've got a true freshman or a redshirt freshman at quarterback, a true freshman at running back. You've got you've got your secondary tight end is a is a redshirt freshman. I mean, this team was was a shell of what you thought you were going to have coming into the year, which was going to be um, you know a senior quarterback. You thought you were going to have four senior wide receivers that you could lean upon. Um, you know that's. You're, you thought you were going to have Caden Lyles as well as Cormac Sampson, two guys who um, have played a lot of football for you along the offensive line at center, and it was all blown up. And, and so you had Tanner Bonolini who, you know, he had a couple El Dente uh, snaps there that weren't the best. But he, he's, he's, he's a true freshman getting thrown out there in front of everybody else. So um, I, I think offense needs to be – more exciting in terms of what they're calling out there, but part of it is also looking around at what's, who's available uh, on, a, on a given Saturday and seeing that, hey, this isn't what we originally thought we were going to have all fall camp. 
Yeah, and the nice part is I know there's there's definitely a silver lining to that that you can take is that a lot of these young guys are getting reps. You've you're got your redshirt freshman quarterback. The guy that you see is kind of the future of your program, very highly recruited kid, getting reps. You've got a very highly recruited running back at Wisconsin, you know, getting reps in Jalen Berger. Shimray DK is a guy that I think everyone expected to see at some point, maybe not be your number one receiver, but he's getting a lot of reps. Um, you know, Bordellini, these guys are all going to get better from playing these games. And if there's ever a season where you're just kind of working some young guys in and, and getting some guys some, some playing time, this is the year to do it. You know, COVID has, has kind of made this season meaningless for a lot of programs, and, and you just have to take what you can from it and that you're getting reps, you're playing games, and maybe you're just getting ready for next year. I know that's not what Wisconsin fans want. You want to be contending for Big Ten championships and, and playing in New Year's Six Bowls and, and eventually hopefully making it to a playoff and, and things like that. But if you look at the grand scheme of the college football season, it's, it's been a struggle for teams to play. Um, you know, Outside of, really for me, I think Alabama and Clemson, this season probably isn't going to end um, the way you want it to. So if you're one of those two teams, it's great that you're playing and maybe you can win a national championship. I don't think anyone else really can right now. So uh, for me, at, at the end of the day, you got to look at it as you're getting some of these young guys reps, which is nice, and um, working their way into the fold because they will get better from playing. You know, nothing nothing beats on-field experience. So getting some of these guys some playing time is, is really important. And, and kind of speaking of that and segue on, on that, playing some young guys, what in the world does Jalen Berger have to do to get more than 15 carries? Because – He's gotten 15 each of the last three contests. Paul Chris asked about it today. He said it was just a coincidence. You know, they don't, they don't have him on any sort of count. Uh, so if you're averaging six yards a carry, you would think you'd get more, but apparently not. So that run for me is the most frustrating and, and head-scratching part. What do you make of, of that situation? Yeah, if, if anybody's got a bone to pick with, uh, you know, play calling, it should be that that young man should be touching the ball a hell of a lot more than he is. Um, he, he is by far their most explosive weapon on offense. Um, you know, and that's not to take anything away from um, what some of the other guys can do on this team, what you can see from a guy like Jake Ferguson when he's, when he's um, open. Um, but at the same time, he, he can create. Jalen Berger is is the real deal right now, um, and and he's averaged over 5.8 yards per carry on at all three of the games he's played. He's he's averaging 89 yards per game on 15 carries. That's right, he's only had 15 carries in three straight games, but but he could have had even more if if, if there was a couple things. I talked a little bit about the fact that um, Chimray Dike kind of missed that block, wasn't aggressive on it. But you look at Berger had two big runs and immediately was yanked and didn't touch the ball afterwards. And, and that's not how you win games. Let the kid cook. Um, he had the first one that, that was just like right there for me was he had, um, he had that 19 yard run that could have been a touchdown, but he immediately was put to the sideline. They went ahead. They only got four yards out of the next three plays, kicked a field goal. And then in the second half, and this was the one that really got me because the previous drive, I get it because Berger had already touched the ball, I think, four times on the drive. So I, I get it if, if you're like, he's probably winded. Um, that's okay. I, I get that idea. But in the, the second instance that just drove me batty, and, and I tweeted about it, was the Badgers got the ball, second half, opening drive. 19-yard completion to Kendrick Pryor. You're, you're like, ooh, nice. This this team, maybe they got something going here. Berger then just 
hits one for 20 yards. They're in Indiana territory. I think they're at the 34-yard line. The next three plays with Berger on the bench, all three passing plays, all right? And the third one on third and two is just a huge back-breaking interception. It, you just can't have that. Give the kid the ball. <laughs> I don't know what he's got to do to get it. At that point, he was he was averaging eight yards a carry almost, and he only had nine touches. <laughs> I just don't get it. Um, you know, I get that he's not Jonathan Taylor, but you don't have anybody else in that stable running back do what he can do. He had another 20-yard run pulled back because of a holding call. Um, just He's got to touch the ball more than 15 times. It's got to be where it's 20 times at least because he can help you out in the passing game as well, and we aren't even seeing that. So that'd be my if, – if we're going to gripe about anything on the coaching staff-related side, that's it. It's, it's Berger's got to see the ball more because he's your best weapon on offense, and he can deliver so much more than what – anybody else on that offense is doing right now. Yeah, and, and the infuriating part for me is that, you know, on some of those passing plays, you know, you talked about a, a series that was, I think, really head-scratching for a lot of Badger fans is that he's not getting these t- – it's not like these games that they've lost were, were two or three possession games where you're down and you need to throw the ball and you need to, to get up and make up yards fast and, and get moving the football down the field. For the most part, the Northwestern game and that Indiana game was a one-score game where if you just run it down and give Jalen Berger the ball and he can run it down and score a touchdown, and you know in the 14-6 game you get you have to get a two-point conversion, sure. But there were situations before that where you didn't have to take three points. You could have probably leaned a little bit more on Jalen Berger and went and tied it up, and all of a sudden you're in a much better situation. So it's not like you had to pass out of necessity. Um, it was it was play calling that was just not to him in a situation where it would have benefited to go to him. So I think that part is a big gripe as well, is that they weren't in desperation mode where they needed to throw the ball. They could have easily leaned on Jalen Berger. He should have 20 to 25. If you're not going to give him 25 carries, fine, but he should probably be a guy that if he's getting 20 carries, you should have some sort of screen or or quick outlet pass to him to get him just a ball in his hands more than 15 times a game because he's your best offensive player, he's your best offensive weapon right now, and not using him, you're, you're seeing the, I guess, not really benefits, you're not seeing any benefit of not using him, you're seeing what happens when you don't use him, and, and that's just an offense that kind of stalls out and, and runs into situations where they're settling for field goals and drives just aren't converting, when you've got a guy, you know, I'd get it if Jalen Berger was a guy that was only averaging, you know, a couple of yards of carry and, and only getting those touches. But when you're averaging six yards of carry, you're doing everything you're supposed to do. And it's just the coaching staff has to find a way to get him the football more often. I totally agree. And, and that's just <laughs> something that's got to happen. Like, it, it's, it was one thing when it was the first game. Or, or the second game, like where it's like we don't know necessarily what we have in this guy, um, but but you saw after the first two weeks what he can do against some pretty good defenses, um, and and so then to to not change that going into this when you've had a, two weeks to prepare for it because of the COVID shutdown thanks to Minnesota, it, there's got to be more there to get the ball in this kid's hands because. You had to have known that there was a possibility that Danny Davis um, wasn't going to be able to go, that Adam Krumholtz wasn't going to be able to go, and that you weren't going to be fully stocked uh, outside. 
find some creative ways to get the ball in this kid's hands because he's what you got right now. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's heads and tails above, above what um, Nakia Watson is bringing. And, and he only had one carry. Um, but, but at the same time, he, he, he brings something different that this team needs more of. I think that wraps up our offensive talk pretty well. We'll talk a little defense here. Uh, another good game from the defense, but I think we're starting to really see the narrative of this team kind of struggling to get to the quarterback. One sack in the game. They got in Jack Tuttle's face a lot, which we, we wanted to see. We wanted to see them get there, but it just seems like this defense and, and the pass rush is a step late on a lot of these uh, situations and, and just get not getting there in time. Um, so, is there any – because I've been trying to pinpoint kind of why that is. I know Jim Leonard's blitzed a little bit less. They don't have the, the same personnel last year you had. And Chris Orr and Zach Bond, those guys were, were freak athletes and experienced guys that could get to the quarterback. You're playing some younger guys. You're relying on, you know, Chanel and, and Herbig, and, and they're not as good a pass rushers yet. So that's a big part of it. But is there anything in your eyes that, that you're seeing defensively that's, that's kind of preventing this, this defense that was supposed to be pretty good – um, of getting to the quarterback. You know, they've played well at all three levels. It's just that is one big key factor that they that you need to have in Jim Leiter's defense that is just, just not working right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that they aren't blitzing whatsoever, but, but I think the big thing is where's Noah Burks? Where's mm-hmm. the, the fifth-year senior who, you know, we had expected to, to take a nice leap, um, you know, from last year, I think he's he's a guy who is a complimentary player, and he he, he showed that last year because he had some nice plays. But um, when you don't have Zach Bond opposite, we we expected him to take a nice little jump, and and that hasn't happened. He hasn't had a sack yet. He's only got five tackles on the year. Um, as a, as a senior leader, that's something that we were expecting to be a little bit different. I, I think Nick Herbig is he's. He's got his best football ahead of him. I like what he brings to the table. CJ Getz, I like what he's doing too. I think mm-hmm. both those guys can can really do some good stuff. Leo Chenal is literally like steps away each time. He might need to like keep up the bench press numbers, but maybe lose like five pounds and you're like boom right there um, because he is a big kid at, at 250 plus. Um, so so maybe you saw. Um, or lose some weight to kind of trim down to, to get his speed up. Maybe Leo Chanel needs to do that because they seem to send him on the blitz more than they send Sanborn. Um, and, and so maybe that's something that could make a, a slight difference. Um, the kid's a freak. It's just going to be a matter of him getting more experience as well. So I, I, there's a, multiple things that are going on here, but I would say the big thing for me is that one of your outside linebackers who you were relying upon in Noah Burks just isn't getting there at all. He does he he has he doesn't even have a quarterback hurry this year yet. And and I know he drops in coverage a decent amount as well, but to have one of your outside linebackers not getting home ever, that that's that's alarming to me. Um and, and I think that that's that's one of the primary reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing. Um the defense is doing a great job of not allowing points, holding defenses that are offenses down, but but not getting to the quarterback, not seeing some of the splash plays we saw like last year, um, that's what's hurting this team in some ways. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a mixture of things, and, and that's a big part of it. Is there's certain guys that you expected to, to take a step up in class and, and, and be uh, fill some bigger roles, and they just haven't yet. So it'll be interesting to see. If there was an offensive line to kind of get after the quarterback and, and pick on, it was Indiana's. 
um, only recorded one sack. So now you're going against an Iowa team that uh, most, for the most part is pretty strong up front um, and their quarterback's playing a little bit better. So you're going to have to maybe make some adjustments uh, as you go into this week to make some changes and hopefully get to the quarterback. I think that's going to be something these last uh, three contests, you know, once you get into bowl season as well, it's something to really watch for because going into next year, if it doesn't change, that's going to be a question again is, is who's going to be the team um, that's getting pressure because last year you were averaging almost four sacks a game. Now you're, I think it was one and a half when I looked at it uh, this season, and, and that will certainly drop a little bit uh, because you only got one um, this past Saturday. So uh, it's got to improve, but I, I think it's a whole host of things. And if there's anybody anybody can, that can do it, it, it's Jim Leonard. He'll hopefully be able to figure out uh, a way to scheme something and allow this defense to, to, to step up. And I know they've played really well and, and done a lot, but I think that would be, at this point with the offense, the way they're scoring, you might need to, you might need the defense to, to score some points and cause some havoc and, uh, they just haven't, and you can't expect, you know, pick sixes and, and strip sacks and all that, but they would certainly help uh, when you've got an offense that's struggling the way it has. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that you also saw, and this isn't this isn't the defense's fault, but we saw penalties on and miscues in special teams as well that were uncharacteristic. There was three straight penalties on kickoffs. You can't have that. That hurts your offense, which is already struggling, um, and and that just can't happen, and, and that needs to be cleaned up as well. All right, the next one you brought to my attention late last night, which sent me on a spiral of, of looking at things. Greg Doyle of the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Star um, basically wrote a column about the game, uh, and his I, I didn't read the full article, so I saw some comments on it because you had to pay for it, and I wasn't paying um, for, a, for a clickbait article, but he basically said the better football program won, which to me was as asinine a thing as you could say um, when you look at where these programs are historically. Wisconsin, um, up until this past weekend, had just owned Indiana, so maybe it was a little bit of clickbait, but it certainly got uh, me heated up a, a little bit reading that. Uh, but what did you make of, uh, of that article um, written by uh, Mr. Greg Doyle of the Indianapolis Star? Yeah, his mentions had to be flooded because <laughs> it was. <laughs> you looked at it and you could see um, the number of quote tweets was like absurdly high. Um, so any Badger fan who hasn't uh, let him know you're a displeasure, go right for it. I think that would be a fun way to fire up your Tuesday. But um, he, he basically saying that the better program won this year. Indiana is a better team. They are like that is definitively go for it. Say it. They've, they're the better team right now. They've won a game with a with a backup quarterback over the Badgers. Kudos to them. But program programs are built. You know, I was waiting for him to go on and talk about that Indiana's now a blue blood because they're in the top ten too. Because that was absurd, like you mentioned. The the fact that the Badgers have won ten in a row by thirty five points on average, um, and then you beat them by eight points with the Badgers having, you know, a very depleted offense. That, that's not a better program. Um, so I, I thought that was a, a very interesting thing, especially for somebody who's got 100,000 followers and, uh, and is actually um, a, a fairly respected journalist. Um, so I, I, I'm guessing he's eating crow a little bit right now, but, but that was an interesting headline for sure. Yeah, it was quite comedic. And, and really for me, you know, Indiana I think is an awesome story this season and, and really fun to watch. You know, if there's a team that I've been rooting for from the, the East, it's been the Hoosiers. I expected them to be pretty good, and, and they have been. They've been fun to watch. Tom Allen's 
certainly building a program. And it's not an easy place to build a program either. You've got historically Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, and Michigan State all in your division. Um, so it's a hard place to win um, year in and year out. And, and he's kind of went after and, and really done a good job of, of beating some of those bigger schools. So he's certainly building a program, I think. But to say that uh, Indiana is a better program right now is is, is laughable. And, and maybe that was the point of the article, to get some clicks and get people fired up. But uh, it, it's it's a little bit silly in my book. But uh, we wanted to touch on that one for sure because I think it was a, a very funny thing that you brought my attention to uh, late last evening. So Wisconsin 2-2 two and two, headed to Iowa. Maybe you get a rematch with Indiana. I, I really hope that they can make an adjustment and play Minnesota before a bowl game. Before we kind of head out, what's the one thing that you're going to be looking for in this team as they move forward? Beat Iowa. That's it. <laughs> That's literally it. If they can beat Iowa, uh, the, the year to this point, nobody's going to say, yep, this is a successful season. But at the same time, you look back to this summer when we were – running through podcasts that we didn't even think the season was going to happen. So to get down to the end here, if they can take down Iowa, maybe play Minnesota and beat them. If you can go 4-2, and two, go into a potential bowl there, I, I, I would be happy with it, with how the season went. I think you have to be at this point because you got a lot of young guys, a lot of action this season in, in a season that really just doesn't matter. It really mm-hmm. doesn't at this point. And I know people will be like, well, that's, that's totally like um, – um, backwards thinking and that people you're just looking back and and redoing history here but it really doesn't matter um, because you look at it the the Badgers weren't um, going to be in a spot where once you saw Jack Cohn go down once you saw some of the all these COVID issues happening within the team there was far bigger issues going on and and so they just got to make lemonade with this and, and try to get out of um, this season with a positive record and maybe some good momentum at the end of the year because right now you hit a lull you hit a dip in the middle of the season um can you rebound can can you be gritty can you get a couple couple wins here to to head out because it it sure is nice to take home some of that hardware against Mm -hmm. an Iowa team maybe a Minnesota team if you're lucky enough to get that I know Peach was talking about um, wanting that game to happen as well so that's to me what about you ma'am yeah, I think it's the same thing. You know, I, I've looked at this season, and really, really before even the Northwestern game, I, I thought, you know, the, the chances of Wisconsin getting through unscathed, whether it be a loss or, or COVID, was was pretty low. So I, I was, I, I'm happy with seeing some of these younger guys playing. I, I think, I, I know no coach will say it. Everybody wants to win every week, but I think getting some of these guys, young guys, reps and building for next year is is the best you can make out of the season. Unless you know, like I said. Unless you're Alabama or Clemson, and no disrespect to, to Notre Dame or Ohio State, but I don't see either of those teams or whoever gets into the playoff beating uh, Alabama or Clemson right now. So unless you're those two teams, this season is, is kind of uh, just preparing and, and winning some games and making the most of you can. So Wisconsin, you're getting some young guys uh, some playing time. Hopefully you can turn some things around offensively and, and continue to play well defensively, and you maybe you knock off. If you get a chance to play both your rivals and play in a decent bowl game and, and build some momentum for next year, I think that's great because I know there's young guys playing, and I think right now, like you said, you got to take what you can get and, and make the most out of the season, and, and that's what I'm hoping the, this team can do is, is dig deep and, and beat Iowa. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, if they can do that, I, I think that that writes some of the wrongs here from the past couple of weeks and and rejuvenates you know the fan base and hopefully the team 
to, to, to feel like, hey, you know, that was a flash in the pan. We lost a couple games that, you know, we're, we're close against some, some pretty good teams, but at the same time, uh, it, it can only prepare them for the years going forward because 2021 is going to be much more important than when you can hopefully play a, a full allotment of games than, hey, some, you know, piece, piecemeal season that uh, mm-hmm. was 2020. I think that's a great way to put it, and I, that's a good way to wrap up our episode. I know it wasn't necessarily the most fun one talking about both of these uh, tough topics with football and basketball, but we'll be back with you guys later in the week to uh, break down Iowa, um, talk some hoops, and uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.